what were your thoughts when you guys heard about hey Jackie's getting married and I was like we ain't going to that (laughs) we have shit to do uh oh (laughs) because we had also committed to taking my mom to our ancestral home okay and so I was like we cannot do these two big trips in one year so Mm -hmm. I was just like no we're not doing that my husband however was like yes we are Hey, welcome to Travel Tuesday Happy Hour, where we interview dope people doing dope things from around the world, and we are in Season 4, Voyage 22. But before we begin, I want to let you guys know, please hit that subscribe button, leave a comment, like, and click that notification bell so you guys know when the next episode drops. Voyage 22 has been the culmination of myself and my wife, Jackie Jackson, now Jackie Benjamin, Um, We had an amazing experience where we had some friends and family come in and join us um, in holy matrimony, right? And so two of the people that we were going to have to, we are going to have today are going to be the amazing couple that one, walked my wife down the aisle and two, officiated the wedding. So with that being said, can you guys tell us who you are and what do you do? Greetings, everyone. Janae Johnson here. I am a program innovation leader in the public health space, but I'm also a founder of the Right Within Experience, which is to amplify humanity, joy, and well-being for people of African ancestry. Mindfulness is a way of helping us to build in a calm and resilience and really be able to take on our various missions with power and imagination and tapping into our intuition Grandly. So um, that's what I do. Okay. And sir? I am Claudius Johnson. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and CEO of Sankofa Domestic Health Services. And so who we are, we are maybe 30 to 35 uh, practitioners. We consist of licensed clinical social workers, marriage and family therapists. Uh, professional clinical counselors, uh, psychologists, and uh, psychiatrists. Our focus is to give service to our community, uh, predominantly the African American community, and then the uh, brown community. So we are 30 people who come from the community, and we give service back to our community. Awesome. So where are you guys originally from? New York, can't you tell? (laughs) Where uh, Cali knew. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in New York. I'm from Shaolin, Staten Island, New York. Okay, okay. Bed-Stuy, for the most part, lived uh, a lot of years in, in Brownsville, but predominantly uh, best So Brooklyn means Staten Island. You know we don't go to Staten Island unless, unless we're going to Jersey. So how did you guys meet? We met here in California. A mutual friend introduced us and... The rest is just romance <laughs> and, and history. And Black people do live on Staten Island. Let's just get that clear. We've been there since enslavement. And if you watch the beautiful documentary, High on the Hog, you learn about the Black oyster fishermen who lived on Staten Island many, many decades ago. 
Okay, so now there's two parts of the story. So how did this union meet, meet union come about? Uh, it came about. We had a mutual friend, uh, beautiful sister, who I well to the school with. Um, at the time, I had been separated uh, from my previous marriage, and she said to me one day, my, my brother, I have a woman who you just got to meet. And I said, what kind of like that? And so, um, long story short, Janae and I hooked up, I called her, and she has this ongoing joke that I sounded like Al Roker. <laughs> but in any event, um, you know, we met at the theater performance by Lettucey. First date, we went to hear Lettucey sing at Yoshi's, a jazz club here in Oakland, California, where we live. Nice. And that was our first date. We went. Um, it was a group date, so I invited him to come along with some friends. We were already scheduled to go out, and I thought, I'm just meeting this guy for the first time, so let's just meet in a group. Because mm -hmm. if he's a dud, then <laughs> I can, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, clearly wasn't that. So, there you have it. But my brother was that he surrounded himself with bodyguards just in case, you know, which I was okay with. Mm -hmm. um, and so I saw her just walk into this room, this space, and, and I knew. Uh, and as he said, uh, it's history. We've been 20 years now? Yeah, 18 married and 21 together. Oh, wow, that's amazing. And so with that being said, you guys have probably experienced a lot of travel together, right? So individually, um, what would you say were kind of your introductions to travel, if any? Well, mine was to go to the Caribbean because my family is from St. Martin. And so as a graduation gift from college, my mom took us to Greece to our ancestral home mm. in St. Martin. So that was my first international trip. And um, I was raised by those people, um, my great aunts, grandparents, um, a tremendous group immigrated from St. Martin to Staten Island back in the 40s. Mm. So I really felt like I was actually going home. They would always talk about home. Mm. And so I found that that's a great home too. Nice. Nice. And, you know, for you, um, that was kind of maybe the first time of trying to find home outside of being here or? Um, absolutely. As a New Yorker, I gotta say, you know, <laughs> we're a special breed. So I never felt not at home mm -hmm. in New York. Um, I grew up on Shaolin, but my father's from Harlem. Mm. And, you know, at 12 years old, I was taking the ferry and the train, going uptown, dancing uptown, Diane McIntyre. Mm. Sounds in Motion. Um, I studied dance at the Alvin Ailey School at the time it was in Midtown. Mm -hmm. So um, I always felt at home in my own city, but the home of my elders, that was another wow for me. Mm -hmm. Another hot, 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 hot beat. So um, I wasn't looking for a home. It was just an extension of home. Okay, okay. Nice, nice. And so for you, Claudius, what was the first introduction to travel? Mine didn't come until adulthood, late 20s or 30s, I believe. Um, before that, you know, I traveled up and down 
the East Coast and, and, and cars, um, but in terms of international travel, uh, you know, places like Canada, um, Mexico, and my first journey across the sea um, to Paris came where we did this bikepacking trip. Uh, me and my then wife, um, we had our, these, these huge bikepacks. And we went to Paris, we took the train, boat to Brussels, you know, Germany. Um, we stayed with this good rich, you know, what she labeled herself, and just experienced traveling through public transportation. So that was my first experience. And so for both of you, after that first experience, what was really the driving force for you guys to continue to travel? Well, for me, I studied um, the Bible. I studied the sacred text. And in my studies of the sacred text, that took me on traveling throughout the country. So I went to uh, places like Colorado, Gunnison, Colorado, which has got to be one of the most beautiful places in the country, right alongside of the Gunnison River, the beautiful clouds, the beautiful columbine flowers. I was in Arkansas for a year, Kansas, um, I got to go uh, to Baltimore. Uh, so I, I moved around the country a lot in my studies. And then that brought me from the East Coast to the West. And that's how I actually landed in California. I came here to teach the sacred text. Okay. Okay. And then so in, in that, what do you look for in travel, right? So for example, Marrakesh, is it the same thing when you landed there? Were you looking for that same thing or... Are there other things that you're looking for in travel as well? Well, I think at this stage, I look for luxury, to be quite honest. <laughs> no backpacking across anywhere for me. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Um, you know, when you when you're traveling when you're young and more uh, and 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 when your finances are in a particular place, you do whatever it is that you can do to see the world, to see the country. I'm at a different stage in my life, so what I'm looking for is ease and flow, and a and a certain level of accommodation and quality. So um, I would say my early years of travel are definitely different from what I'm looking for right now. When I first went to Paris, for example, in landing in Paris, actually I was quite disappointed because I thought the vibration initially was very much like New York. And I thought, did I spend all this money to come to Paris and it's just like the city I came from? Mm -hmm. Now, when I got to Marrakesh, North Africa, that was an entirely different energetic. Um, the people, the look of the people, the pace, the buildings, the dry, arid land, and um, how warm. So very similar to going home to the Caribbean. Right. There was a home, the African part of our African-American, Afro-Caribbean. Mm -hmm. So I got in touch with that energy. So now I also look for uh, vibration, frequency, energy. What is the energy of the place? So that's, that's really important to me. And, and so, Claudius, same question for you, right? As you start to um, expand your travel experience, your travel journey, what are the things that you look forward to most when you travel? Uh, I, th I think I get excited about meeting uh, different people, uh, different cultures, 
and just get a visualization of how we show up. Um, other people who might look like me, but don't speak English, you know, that's always fascinated me. Uh, my first experience of that came when I was um, in Paris, in Germany. You know, I passed a couple of brothers, you know, on the streets, and I was hollering at them, and they responded, you know, in broken English. So stuff like that amazed me. But I was also curious as to how similar uh, we were in terms of our way of being, mm. the connectedness, you know, that spirit connection is what fascinates me about people, uh, their food, their cultural, cultural um, how how you connect with um, somebody like myself, you know, who's you know from the Bay Area, originally not in Brooklyn, and what that brings. Um, so, and I'm fascinated in in just talking about them. I you know as as a psychotherapist, um, one of the things that I enjoy just meeting new people. For me, people can be like a good book; they're a page turner. You know, you, you can't wait to get to the next page. You want to know more about them. And so I travel with that curiosity as well. Um, so I look for that. I uh, typically seek out or try to find where the black and brown people are. I mean, that, that part excite, really excites me. You know, I want to see them in their communities. I want to visit the places that they go, where they worship, what they eat, where they shop at, um, public transportation. Um, and so that yeah. excites me. Okay. And so now that you guys have, you know, traveled a lot more together, um, what has been your favorite trip so far? Marrakesh! <laughs> Not just because you're here, but because it's true. What oh, you it, say it was that? Dope. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was yes. amazing. Yes. We we went to we went to Marrakesh a little early, um, ahead of the wedding party. We had thought that we would go to Portugal first, and then we said, no, let's just arrive early and settle in, and really get to get to be there, to rest, relax, and and survey the land for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so we did that, mm -hmm. and it um, it was an amazing trip. Janen Tamsna is an exquisite, um, you know, kind of out of the main thoroughfare resort owned by a black Parisian woman um, who has an impeccable sense of design, but also mm -hmm. an, just tremendously warm and open to people and making you feel right at home. It has a very... Um, home, back to that word, right. it has a very homey feel to it <laughs> at the same time that the level of connection and service is not pretentious, right. but it's a, there's a quality and a, and a, and a, I'm searching for a word, there's a suavecito to it. Mm. And so I totally, we totally mm. love that, you love know, it. and our ability to just connect, meet the other guests go into town, and then yeah. do the hammam. <laughs> We're going to get to that. Right? Okay, let We're, me hold on. We're going to get to that. Right, 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 right. And so, Claudia, as for you, what was, what was, you know, what was, I'm probably going to ask this question again, but sure. kind of what was, what made it that special for you? Uh, the landing coming, uh, touching down uh, on the tip of Mother Africa, 
realizing that we were there, mm -hmm. that, that we were out of the U.S., um, and then being exposed to the music and being exposed. We had this experience at, at the airport where <laughs> these brothers felt like they was just going to go to blows trying to get our, our service, you know, to get mm -hmm. us to ride, you know, in their cars and come to find out, you know, this this is just how they get down. You know, everybody is trying to make a dollar. So, right. so that was interesting. But the smell, the scent, the language, the call to prayer, mm. I mean, all of that, just mm. juicy. I mean, that that just fascinated me. Okay, okay. And so with all of your travel, has do you guys have a bucket list or are you still developing that? Because, I mean, you guys are still fairly young, right? You guys are still able to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, have your bucket list changed as of recent? Because I know with the pandemic, a lot of people aren't weren't able to hit some of their locations. But since then, has has things changed for you? Well, I don't think it's changed. I think we're just more intent on making it happen. Mm. That's the piece. Yeah, we always wanted to go to Portugal and Spain and then take the ferry into North Africa. So that's why Marrakesh was like, what? Marrakesh? Oh, my God, of course. So we're going to do that trip. Okay. We want to go to Lisbon. We understand that there's, there's many expats there. Yes. And before I left, I met a sister from the Bay Area architect who um, left her career as an architect mm. to start a travel agency, a, a tour, a mm -hmm. touring group. Um, and she traveled, and she has a home in Marrakesh. Yeah. So she gave us kind of like the 411 on what to expect and where else to go and what to wear and the whole nine yards. And so uh, she travels to Italy and Laos. Mm -hmm. So so Southeast Asia wasn't on my radar, but now it is because of her. Okay. So definitely want to do some more of the European, um, Southern European countries i've been to scotland and the uk mm -hmm. we want to do some of the southern european and then go deeper into africa okay. um senegal is one of my places mm -hmm. everybody thinks i'm senegalese maybe i am maybe i'm not i don't know i claim them they claim me um we want to go to south africa and then hit more of the caribbean of course okay and and, and for you claudius what 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 is on your list for as far as a bucket list goes. Pretty much the same as because we obviously we've talked about it, we've dreamed about it, we planned, um, but definitely want to go back to uh, Marrakesh. Uh, we do want to go also to um, Casablanca. We didn't go that go there, and maybe I do want to try the desert this time. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely. there was the brothers and sisters on the video, and they seemed like they was having a lot of fun there. Right. In fact, they was. You know, so that stuff like that excites me. Uh, I'm adventurous like that. I, I'll try anything once, um, but definitely uh, Portugal, Spain, definitely South Africa and certainly the Caribbean islands. Okay. Okay. And so now you kind of bring me back to touching on your bucket list, right? Coming to Morocco. So, um, Voyage 22 is a symbol of a couple of things. Both our birthdays are on the 22nd. Um, we've been to 22 cities together. And so we decided, and when we decided to get married, it was on 2022. So we decided to call it Voyage 22. Ah. And so 
Voice 22 started out to be, all right, we're going to make this a group trip and let's inform everybody and hopefully surprise people when they get there. And I said, yeah, my friends may not make it because they might make other priorities. So we switched it up and told them, hey, it's going to be a wedding. Come on out. Um, I'm going to ask you a three-part question. One, um, what did you think when you were told that, hey, Jackie's getting married in Marrakesh. Do you want to go? Two, what was the preparation like? Um, getting your tickets, getting everything, and then flying into Marrakesh. And then three, what was that experience? that You alluded to it some, um, Claudius, about how landing there, realizing that, like, you both alluded to it, like feeling home. And one num number two, the gratitude or the graciousness of people wanting to, like, cater to you. So I'm going to ask the question again, and I'm going to make sure I walk you guys through it. One, what were your thoughts when you guys heard about Hey, Jackie's getting married, and boom. I was like, we ain't going to that. <laughs> we have shit to do. Uh-oh. <laughs> yes, you're fine. Because we had also committed to taking my mom to our ancestral home. Okay. And so I was like, we cannot do these two big trips in one year. So mm -hmm. I was just like, no, we're not doing that. My husband, however, was like, yes, we are. Mm. So I was like, all right, then... Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and and he did. We, you know, sat and finding flights was a little was a little dicey at first mm -hmm. because um we flew first class. Mm, nice, nice. And so finding the right route with the right carrier for the way we wanted to travel. Right. And the American Airlines, American Airlines, mm -hmm. not uh, the company, mm -hmm. but all the airlines coming out of America were not the right ones for us. Mm -hmm. So he found Air France mm -hmm. and it was, a, you know, I just said how I like things, right? Yes. It was a stellar <laughs> experience. Yes, it was. So mm -hmm. once we got Air France, um, I think... I have been to Paris before, but I forgot how far it is from California. Right. So when I got on the plane and they tell you how long the ride is going to be, that it's 10 hours, I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> but the service was amazing. Right. And so um, wonderful flight attendants. And uh, she made me several mimosas. Hey. And we had a little we had a little ongoing <laughs> joke about mimosa. Mm -hmm. She even made me a little stick that said, I love mimosa. <laughs> you know, we, it was just it was just um, like traveling with with a girlfriend, actually. Mm -hmm. okay. And we're sitting side by side. So that was wonderful. Um, part two, the landing. Well, I want to get Claudia's oh, yes. like reaction to that as well, because you know, this is daughter number 2.2 yes. or yes. two and a half. Yes. Um, what was it like hearing her reach out? Was it was it your daughter that reached out or was it that Jackie that reached out letting you know she's getting married? I think it was uh, Shabisha Sunshine uh, who said to me first that they were getting married, that you all was getting married. And I think, I'm not sure when I met you for the first time, when like you and Jay prior. came yeah. That same year. Yeah, I think, I think, was that the, in the conversation or not? No, no, no. So, no. I, so, no. Right. I don't know when we, I don't know when, who told, I don't know if it was a Sunshine or Jackie okay. who said it's Marrakesh, mm. but we got clearly the, that <laughs> yeah, communication yeah, became very yeah. clear. Yeah. And then we were like, like I said, I oh, was yeah, a no. Oh, yeah. Was a yes. I was like, yeah. oh, 
we're going. I am not going to miss it. My child, she's getting married. And I had, by that time, I had met you. Right. And it was like, honey, we're, listen, you're just going to have to trust me because we, we're we going to go, you know, just a matter of, you know, what we need to do to make it happen. But for me, it was it was twofold that that Jackie was getting married. Oh, my God. That, that was, it was just so wonderful to hear. Knowing her the way I know her. Um, and also that it was in Marrakesh. North Africa. I mean, once I got on board, I was like, oh, yeah, this is good. <laughs> well, I think also because we believe in marriage, mm-hmm. clearly, um, we understand the um, energetic of marriage and how that helps. How, that is the ideal, I'm going to say, mm-hmm. in our opinion, right. the ideal um, way to move through life right. um, in partnership in couplehood in the dyad Mm -hmm. it is um it is a cosmic um spiritual covenant relationship and i get other people do a whole lot of other things i'm not talking about that i'm talking about this cosmic um very blessed when people have this 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 intention. So we locked in. So even so, even to go to the wedding, we mm-hmm. had to practice that, right? Mm-hmm. right, right. To lock in. Mm-hmm. One says no, the other says yes, and then the other says, I will. Mm-hmm. I will connect, and I will um, surrender, submit, um, agree. Right. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It's all of that. Mm-hmm. So all of that came into play. Awesome. And so you know, we we talked. You alluded to it a little bit early. You alluded to a little bit earlier of your first class flight, and kudos to you. I'm I'm trying to step up step up to your to your level. Um, getting there, right? So you guys had to figure out how to get there, right? And you guys figured it out in the most luxurious way. So I appreciate that. Um, and then getting to Africa, like, what was that like? And not just getting there. Your experience at the Janan Time Stamp for the first time. Okay, baby. Hmm. It it just opened up all types of new and wonderful possibilities and and just dreaming you know, where we can go. And you know, and now, you know, we I think we were even talking about, you know what, honey, if we could rent this house. Maybe we can live here for six months and live here for six months, right? And still work from wherever it is that we live. And to actually really think about that and to get that, that can very well be a reality. Mm. Absolutely. I think one of the things that it helped us do is break state. Mm. But coming out of COVID, two, three years, what, what, how many years? I don't even know. Like, it just feels like, ah, it's Twilight Zone, right? Right. So it helps you break state. And drop, I, when, in my teaching, I teach about going into the dream room. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a process that Walt Disney uses. To go into the dream room and just dream. No, no holes barred. So it helped us break state, get out of what you're in, and just go into the dream room. And really think about, who do you want to be? And actually, be it. Mm. Not like wait for something. So while I was there, you know, oftentimes I would cover my head and I would flip my scarf. 
And I would just be who I can imagine myself to continue who I'm becoming. See, a lot of people think you have to create something first in the concrete, but actually the way it works is you be it first in your inside and you act as if it's already so. So to me, it's already so that we'll be bi-coastal, international or whatever. But I just had the opportunity in Marrakesh to break state and to move through the spaces and the... Yeah, make friends. <laughs> yes, yes, but 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 a part of it too for me was just to see the excitement in Janae's. I just just seen her just just step into the flow. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, my baby, she just just you know you just did your thing, you know, and that and I just I I love that, you know. So that was not only exciting but entertaining and how the people received you and how you just connected that yeah that. That was dope. I mean, that was just so beautiful and it's just so inspiring. So thank you. So you guys got there early, mm-hmm. got a chance to experience the Medina, the food, the people, the culture. And then Thursday night comes around where we have that beautiful dinner, right? And the reception prior to. Um, what were your thoughts about that dinner and you know, kind of everything leading up to the end of the night? Because we started with the rooftop over the main building. And we went to that long dinner table and then close it off in Marianne's home. Like, just tell tell the, the people a little bit about what you guys thought about that experience. Well, in all honesty, for us, we had done dinner at the long table before. Mm, nice. So that wasn't our first time. Beautiful outdoor table, all candlelight, rose petals um, adorning the table, um, she does that periodically. So we were in a group setting like that before. Okay. What was different is it was with family. the family, yeah. right? Yeah. And the musicians mm-hmm. that um, escorted us from the rooftop reception to the table mm-hmm. and that we danced right. to the table. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then when your dad <laughs> he got the spirit of oh ancestors yes. and we were that to me that moment was just amazing pop was getting it yeah, your dad was dancing and we were da- but what to see that happen that mm. moment was like um it, it was another ceiling of what this was all about. Mm-hmm. That the element of the spirit, the element of mm-hmm. God and the ancestors are here. Mm-hmm. And this and our elder is 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 demonstrating to us mm-hmm. that this is what's happening. And mm-hmm. he was like, he just went. Oh, it was yeah. the ancestral drums, oh, man. He was just yes. the blues. He yes. didn't care what was around yes. him. And he really enjoy himself. Yes. So for this man who is um, not fully sighted, but has, but is Haitian. Mm-hmm. So that part, because mm-hmm. none of that was lost on me. Mm-hmm. Dot dot dot. Mm-hmm. The Haiti and uh, liberation. I mean, all of it, right? So. Um, that to me was like the highlight of that night. Yeah, was the was dance beautiful. from from the rooftop to the dining table, under the um, magic mm-hmm. of the Moroccan musicians, singers, and drummers, and then having your dad just 
just un- just annoyed the whole thing mm. by dancing. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> we, uh, yes. Woo, he uh, took everything, just, you know, oh, it just took everything. Woo, that was it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. And Claudius, anything yeah. you want to add? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's what came to me is, is the, um, how the drums were just so universal, mm. you know, the rhythm of, of Africanness, that, you know, and he, he didn't have to see, you know, he yes. felt he, the beat, just the drums, you know, the, which is our way of communicating for, mm-hmm. for a lot of us. And he felt that, he felt the spirit, you know, because I was feeling it, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, it was just so beautiful that it was, it was the drums. I mean, that did it for me. That that was our way of connecting, communicating, celebrating, you know, um, recognizing, you know, the the um, there's a term uh, in um, in black psychology we call Rwanda um, Mbote, which means the child or the children of my ancestors. So I have some recognition that, yeah, I know you, I see you, I feel you, you know, mm-hmm. because I am you. I am so, you. So, so, you know, I, I am because we are, that's Ubuntu, mm-hmm. you know, so, so that was it for me. Mm. And, and, you know, going into Marianne's house and, you know, you guys were there longer than we were. So you guys probably got a chance to like really explore all the different places, but the way she decorates her home unapologetically unapologetically mm-hmm. black mm-hmm. right and when i asked her what's the theme for each of the rooms she said there is no theme if i like it i put it up and you know she put up a lot of beautiful mm-hmm. art throughout not just her house but all of the villas like yes. what do you guys think about you know specifically the foyer with the roof like open roof yes that- allowing the stars to see us during the reception well, I think as you're saying, everything that she does is just well appointed and she she is confident mm-hmm. in what moves her. Mm-hmm. And she trusts that. And she also trusts that it will do whatever it needs to do for the people that come through. Right. And it does. So for me, I wasn't even thinking about it as much as I was just enjoying and experiencing mm-hmm. being in it. Right, got it, got it. and um, that's how it was for me. I just just enjoyed the space. Okay. I felt like that's my house. Right, 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 right. Welcome to my home. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when you all came in, I uh, the, your bus came and I came down. And I said hi, everybody, and I was hugging. And um, Jackie's office said, "I thought you were the owner." <laughs> I said, no. Great. That's great. And then you, Claudius? It, 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 you know, I just enjoyed her hospitality, just how she just was overseeing everything, you know, just making sure that we was taken care of, coming over to speak with us. Um, even some of the uh, the people who were already there, how, how we connected with them and they connected with us and, you know, the promise to reconnect in the future. I, I loved her layout. I loved her art. It was, 
definitely spirit-led, I think. I, I, I saw and felt a, a lot of a lot of myself on her walls. Mm. You know, it was easy for me to relate to, identify with um, her house, which is gorgeous and the open ceiling. And I think we left early before, you know, things start kicking off, but we did dance mm-hmm. a few times, you know, so that was nice because I was, I was about to get into my groove. <laughs> and so, so that part was nice, just how free I felt in her environment, the environment that she created mm-hmm. was, was wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. And so the next day, the big day, right? So, um, you guys were bestowed upon two big responsibilities. Mm-hmm. The first biggest one, I think, is walking mm. right down the aisle. Oh, my God. And then the second biggest one is officiating, right? Um, what was it like when you both were asked for both of your roles in the ceremony? Mm. Well, you knew your role before I knew mine. Right. And I, so I, we already knew that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got my role. Well, just, just the fact that she asked me. To walk her down the aisle, and you know, she she called me. I think she called me. Um, I no, you know. guys. She she and Shavisha were on a call, and that and you were present. No, no, no. She no, called you. No. Um, so I, I I didn't know. Um, Shavisha didn't tell me anything about it. Um, Jay called and says, Dad, I, got, I was at um, Shabisha's house. That's what I mean. And she called and said, Dad, would you walk me down the aisle? And, and it took me a minute, you know, to, to get what she was asking. And then I, after I thought about it, you know, I said, well, you don't even have to ask me. Why? I mean, you already know what the answer is going to be. And it just hit me. Wow. You know, that connection that she thought of me in such a way that she was asking me to walk her down the aisle to get married mm. that was that was just so beautiful and that I would forever be remembered you know as dad who walked her down the aisle it's it's it, it was a feeling it was just um, I said baby I'm, I'm with you I'm so happy for you I'm so proud of you of course I'll walk you down the aisle and then to finally do it, I have to be, I, I, I was just so, I was trying hard not to trip. I was trying to, <laughs> oh my, I had my, my stroll going and I had Jay and I was just so, we were taking pictures and just walking around and seeing everybody just looking at odds, a few people cheering up. I was, I was like the proud dad, you know, I was like, Here's my baby. <laughs> I'm going to give her away now. Um, and to see you up there and we walking towards you, um, you know, to officiate, you know, the ceremony. So it was Jay, it was you, it was, you know, uh, our daughter, Shabisha. It was like, it, it, I, will, I will never forget that day. I will never forget that day. Well, I found out three hours before we were leaving. <laughs> I actually called Jackie to ask her about my dress because I um, 
had a dress made to her because she needed a specific color. Long story short, I was talking to her about, my dress is so tight, I can't even lift it to go to the bathroom. <laughs> do you want me to wear it the whole time? And she says, yes. And by the way, <laughs> um, and it also for me felt like a very natural yes. Mm. It felt like a very, um, it, it's what I do is bring the beauty of the presence of the infinite into people's lives, into spaces, into my work, as well as um, um, being a prayerful presence. And so it felt like the right, it felt, it felt divine. Like it felt like, oh yes, this is your assignment for this occasion. So there was, I didn't even say, I didn't even have to think, I didn't, I didn't think about it. Okay. It felt very natural to my purpose. Okay. And so after the wedding, um, you know, we had a reception and where um, one of the things that um, I will say was a good idea, Jackie had little jars and she had little jars that she wanted people to take so that they could put a little bit of Africa. Um, did you guys end up getting jars? Yes, we and have what to. What did you end up putting in your jars? Well, I haven't done it yet, but I have some, I bought some spices mm -hmm. from Marrakesh. And so I'm going to put my spices in, I, I have two, one for each of us. So I'm going to put spices. Okay. My uh, spices that I bought in the Medina. Awesome. Awesome. And let's talk about the Medina. Yes. Right. So first part I'm gonna, I want to talk about is Saturday after the wedding, we scheduled a hammam for everyone. Right now, you guys are pro at pros at this point in Marrakesh. You guys already did the hammam prior to us, mm -hmm. and then um, with the group, tell these people about this hammam and what kind of experience it's like. Because I don't think you know I can eloquently as as well as you could explain what the hammam experience is like. The hammam is. Um a self-care experience that you experience with the aid of a, the loving attention of a woman. Mm. Um, for me, the non-sexual touch of a woman on my body, mm. just rubbing gently, washing my hair. Um, so let me just say, you come into a room that's very, very warm, almost like a steam room, except there's no steam coming up. Mm. You're um you're you're nude except you get disposable underwear. Mm -hmm. She out of a trough takes warm water and rinses, rinses, rinses your whole body, and then washes you with a gelatinous black soap. Mm -hmm. Let it sit on your body to soften the skin, then rinse and rinse you off again, and then puts on a clay mask all over your body. Let's that sit for a moment and then rinses, rinses, rinses you again. And then she comes with an exfoliating glove and she exfoliates the whole of your body, rubbing all the dead skin off of you mm. and then rinsing you again. And Madame, would you like me to wash your hair? Yes, wash your hair. <laughs> and then you go and you dry off and go into a room where we did the massage and we had a massage right after. Mm -hmm. Wonderful argon oil massage and then a little time to rest and regenerate, get dressed 
and move out. I understand from women that I talk to in Marrakesh that the Native women do this two to three times a week. And this is part of how they stave off stress and take care of their bodies physically. There's rose water, rose oil. There's there's all a, a lot of other uh, um, wonderful um, products that you can put on your body. Mm-hmm. But the whole notion of Americans, us and our stress life, mm-hmm. where our self-care is simply a Band-Aid mm-hmm. that we leave the massage therapist and it gets ripped off within hours <laughs> to go back into grind culture. So what I appreciated about how this is embedded in the culture, there's her moms everywhere and even the men go not as often as women, but they go with consistency that this is a way inside of the culture where you take care of yourself and where there's human touch And what we know, what I know about stress, trauma, all the things that plague us is that it is connection that's the healing balm for trauma and stress. And so although Morocco is not a rich country, it has a lot of disparity there, that these practices that are very um, ancient (laughs) are wonderful. They're just wonderful. It was just, it was just an exquisite. So I must confess, I had three hamams. <laughs> I would have had a fourth had I had a little more time. Okay. But it's, um, I, I did find a place in San Francisco called Pearl mm-hmm. that does something similar. So I will venture there and do my compare and contrast. Okay. Okay. What is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on self care, uh, taking care of oneself and especially you know, for those of you, you uh, us who have challenging jobs and positions, you know, it, it needs to be done with consistent consistency, daily, weekly, however you can do it. You know, so I appreciate the whole structure there of self care. But, but but also, what was ironic for me is that like what they have, they have the call the 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 call to prayer five times a day. And I just thought to myself, what if we, even if it's not five times for prayer, what what if it's like five times a day to self-care, be it prayer, be meditation, be downtime, but you do it five times a day, Mm. you know, just to stop everything that's going on with you and just go into a nice, dark, comfortable space and just step into yourself. I thought to myself, how wonderful that could be. Mm-hmm. And because there is practice. I mean, everything just stops and, and you and you submit, you know, you, you pay homage to that power that's greater to yourself. So I, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Um, for the hammam, it, it, you know, it's, it was cool, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was cool, yeah. I mean, but three times for, for for me, you know, I don't know how other brothers would see it, but for me, it was a little bit much. Um, it was, I enjoyed the attention, the aromatherapy that was involved, the bathing of your body. Um, but, you know, there was a time, uh, I mean, I forgot what you call it. The, the exfoliating. I was like, yo, 
Right. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're gonna have to ease up. You know, I, you know, I appreciate everything else, but I did. This ain't coming off. Uh, so that part was 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 good. But I I appreciate the attention, the level of self care, uh, the everything stops throughout the day. You know, and you and you recognize, you know, that that this is a time for peace, um, focus. Um, and attention and attunement. Right. So that's that that's my takeaway. And so the next day I believe was the scheduled trip to the YSL Museum, mm -hmm. right? And that's probably more for Janae than you, Claudius. You were just happy to probably attend. But you can tell your piece about it. <laughs> you know, what were your thoughts about going to this museum that was influenced? Right, like that. At least the work that was displayed was influenced by the essence of Morocco. Well, you know, I just think that um, I celebrate when people celebrate us, mm. us as the original people. The Twa were one one of the original um, um, ethnic groups, ancient. And we left, we migrated out of Africa to touch East and West Asia and then going North. So I don't get, I ha I'm happy actually mm -hmm. when people say, oh my goodness, not when they steal, you understand the right. difference. Right. But when mm -hmm. there is an actual, actual celebration of whatever we have and it, and it influences mm -hmm. their art and creativity, why not? It's a part of the human field. And we are a part of the human field as many other people. Mm -hmm. And so um, I thought it was nice to see that he had a love for this, this part of the world, built a house there. Some of his fashions were influenced by um, his time in Marrakesh. The, uh, I don't know if the garden was a part of his original property, mm -hmm. the Marjorelle and the beautiful blues and turquoise colors. So I thought it's it, it holds its place. Mm -hmm. It wasn't ostentatious, it wasn't too much, but it gave you an understanding that this um, renowned European designer was very much influenced by the beauty of Marrakesh, and why not? It is beautiful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> it is beautiful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, that was lovely to see. Okay, uh, Claudius, anything to add? Yeah, that, that, I mean, it, it's important to me that he paid homage to their culture, that, you know, it wasn't appropriated, you know, and that it was recognized as beautiful, as, as sensuous, as strong, and as, uh, as culturally relevant to fashion. And so I, so I got with that. Okay. And you guys, the the sentiment I've been getting from you both have been, you guys are very diaspora focused. You guys are all about making sure that we are able to continue to maintain the richness of our cultures, um, regardless if it's Black American, um, Caribbean Blacks, or Blacks around the world. Um, what has your experience been like being Black travelers, right? And for you, Janae, being a woman traveler, and not just a woman traveling, a woman traveling as a black woman, right? Because our experiences 
don't necessarily have to reflect how we are treated here, but how we're treated elsewhere. So what have your experiences been like in the past or present? Well, my early travels were to the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, I traveled with a companion, a white woman. We went to Scotland together to take a class. And then um, I left Scotland and went to London and I traveled in London alone. Mm-hmm. And in both places, honey, I was really very well treated. <laughs> you see, because also I think part of it is my mindset. Right. It's a mindset and it's an energy that I travel with. Um, I am um, a citizen of the universe, mm-hmm. not even the world. And so I don't go expecting anything but the best. So when I was in Scotland, the environment was primarily white. I was, uh, you know, this is the other thing. I just got to roll back, roll it on back a little bit. Race is social construct. It's made up. There's no such thing as race. There is racism. There is colonialism. There is the violence that has uh, that has come along with both of those things. But as an individual who is a free woman and a sovereign woman traveling, I m- map out my path and it was it I it it was easy. Um I was in London alone. I had never been to London before. I got a little um I don't think that it was even Airbnbs then but just a little bed and breakfast, breakfast, Mm -hmm. right? And um, I was nervous Mm -hmm. because that was my first time being out of the country alone, Mm -hmm. you know, dining alone, um, family sitting next to me, making conversation, best Indian food I ever had. (laughs) Got to go to India probably, (laughs) but best. Mm -hmm. So I just courageously made my way. And I think that's part of it is setting up an expectation for difficulty is part of the scanning for safety that we do in the Americas. But I, I think that there's some lessons that we can learn by getting away, breaking state Mm -hmm. and to drop in to some calm and to be and to recognize that the the um, the violence against our humanity because racism is is violence against it's a human rights issue. Right. That that does not have to exist everywhere. In individual encounters, structures are a whole nother conversation, but that's not what we're talking about. Right. We're talking about moving in your body. Right through the world and what you do to attract and generate Mm -hmm. beautiful experiences. Mm -hmm. And my experiences, even here, I got to tell you, Mm. my experiences are 98% of the time. Mm. Excellent. There's a few. And sometimes there's some, there's been a couple of real dark ones, but most of the time I don't have that issue. And I think a lot of it has to do with the inner work I've done, though. Okay. Because there is a um, there is a liberation work that we must pursue in ourselves that I've done been practicing over the years. Freedom is something that needs to be tended to, and it mm. starts on the inside. Mm. 
and there's a deep sense of approval, a sense of approval and a sense of I belong anywhere I go. I don't care who else is there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's big, right? Because it's huge. It's huge. How we perceive ourselves and how we perceive the next destination really allows, kind of controls how we behave, right? So coming from a psychotherapist perspective, as a black man traveling to the United States, right? Um, a lot of times we have to follow certain protocols when we get pulled over, when we're walking across the street, when we're doing all these things. How has traveling internationally changed your view of how you're seen as a black man? Because as a black man traveling internationally, you're either a football player, you're a a professional somebody, because you can't just be black and made it across this far. What has your experience been like, you know, traveling as a black man? Quite frankly, it's been charmed. I, I, I can't remember a negative experience. I think a lot of what Janae said earlier, it's it's about mindset, it's about who you think you are in the world, you know, as a citizen, as a citizen, you know, uh, in the universe, in the world, how you show up. I think what does it for me, and I, maybe they can sense how curious um, I am about them. So I, and maybe it's that energy, uh, but also I'm. I'm a large person, you know, I'm, you know, I don't, I, and I think to some degree that comes into play, you know, because you're not, you, you could be a little crazy, but you're not, but so crazy. You understand that right. I'm 6'2", I'm 240, I'm, you know, pretty athletic. I mean, I'm sure that, that scares people sometimes, mm-hmm. and but sometimes people, they honor that, they respect that, especially if you're walking with a smile on your face. I think that works to my advantage. Uh, But also, I think people recognize me as not threatening. I'm just somebody who wants to get to know them. Um, So my experience traveling abroad, I've just been charmed. I I, I can't think of one negative experience I have. And that's great, because, you know, this question is usually open-ended for a reason, right? It's not to get a negative or positive experience. It's really to get your experience, because a lot of people don't know. Um, and I think to both of your points, your from what I hear your story is, travel with an open mind. Because if you leave with the negative connotations that something's going to eventually happen to you when you travel... Unfortunately, what we put out into the universe is mm-hmm. what comes back mm-hmm. to us. So with that being said, um, you alluded to the time in which we've been locked down to like two or three years, right? Um, we've been on lockdown for uh, 18 months or so, lockdown-ish. Um, what, has, what does the new norm look like for both of you, right? You know, your business practice went from in-person to telepresence, right? And then... Um, your practice, I'm not sure if you did telepresence as well. Yes. Um, and so now that, you know, restrictions are being lifted and you can now receive patients in, in person and then just life, you can travel to more places, you can do more things. What does the new normal look like for you guys, knowing that we're still in a pandemic or is it endemic? I can't remember what the proper term is, I don't even but know. what is, what are the things looking like for you guys now? Well, I think that part of it for me is challenging what we even, the the perception of what we went through. Because we all didn't go through it the same way. So that's number one. And we have, we, 
this culture has a way, and just generally the human being has a negativity bias. That's just how our brains are made. So we will latch on to what is negative, like Velcro, and what is positive just rolls off like Teflon. So I never called it lockdown mm -hmm. in all of my presentations. I did like 35 presentations over the shelter in peace mm -hmm. <laughs> experience. We're sheltering in in order to do what is necessary um, to protect ourselves for, for what we understand this thing to be, because for the longest time, we didn't even fully understand what it was. So I just think that is important. Shelter in peace. <laughs> uh, really change up the dialogue. So what's ahead? Look, it was two years out of how many years you've been on the earth. Right. That's not a lot of time. So, I, so what it is, it's, it's a pivot. It's an adjustment. And I'll see what tomorrow brings. But none of my, my dreams are not getting smaller. They're actually getting bigger. Mm, and Claudius? Since you had to shelter in peace with your wife for what eighteen plus months, mm -hmm. um, you know, and and this is also a question you guys can both answer, right? You know, um, and you guys have probably experienced in your practice a lot of people got divorces in this time because they weren't able to find that sense of gravity, that that the moment of solace for themselves, so they can find that for themselves as a unit. Um, what what was that like for you, just? having to shelter in peace, as Janae puts it, and really still having to help others. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the difficult part of being in your both fields is that although what's going on with your lives, mm -hmm. you still have to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't realize you guys need help too sometimes. So how has things kind of shifted for you in the sense of being able to find a new moment? Well, I think for me, with Janae and I just had to learn to be more creative uh, and just be really conscious of what's happening outside of our home and accept the fact that, you know, we may not be able to control a lot of what's happening out there, but we still have control of what's happening inside here and who we allow in our home, the news you know, the TV, the outside noise. So, so we still have control over that. I think it also helps to really understand what you got, what you got going on. You know, I, I tell folks, Janae is my best friend. That's, that's my road dog. You know, we love traveling together. You know, we both New Yorkers and, you know, we just, at this age in our life, we're just excited about life, you know? And so it's about just being creative. Um, part of what we did was we um, spent more time in mother nature, going on a walk in the redwoods, and, you know, where it was safer and just um, getting in touch with the spirits of the trees, you know, of the birds and just being quiet and just, and just getting out the neighborhood. So I think, think that helps but you're right in terms of um uh, our, our practice has probably tripled um since this uh, pandemic uh, it's it's and it's unfortunate because i i believe in in the, in the black family especially the black family because just 
because that's my focus, that's my interest. I believe in the family unit period, but because my focus and where I'm needed at is in the black community, um, so that's my focus. I believe in the black family. I believe, you know, in the stability of marriage, the enterprise of marriage, the protection of marriage, you know, the, the connectedness, the spirit connectedness that comes with marriage. Um, so I... I you know, like any couples, you know, we 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 have our disagreements. But I, at least for me, I I'm always able to understand that tomorrow is another day. And you know what, we've gotten past so much in the past. Certainly, we can get past this too. And and I try to communicate that in my sessions and with my families. You know, that this. This is going to pass. I, I get that that you're struggling now, but I'm going to ask you just just step back just for a minute, just breathe, not make any decisions right now. You know that you may regret later. Um, let's return to self care. You know, caring for yourself, for your family, whatever that looks like for you. I think part of it too is resource yourself. We didn't go into the pandemic free. That's why I wanted to say that it doesn't happen. The experience wasn't the same for everybody. Some people redecorated their houses, cleaned out closets, uh, reconnected with friends. I mean, over FaceTime. And it wasn't horrible for everybody. It was horrible for a segment of the population. And usually it was challenging when you had no resources, inner and outer. So what I tell people all the time is start with resourcing yourself. Resilience is not just how you bounce back from adversity. It's how have you been prepared to meet any adversity that's going to come your way. That's why slowing down, taking the two steps back, building practices and and ways of living that really nourish you from what you eat, from how much rest you get, from the company that you keep, from moving your body, from how you generate joy. These are simple, basic practices for how you have a spiritual practice, how you worship the creator, God, whoever you recognize as greater than yourself, however you generate through nature. But we, it demanded that we move from going at 100 miles an hour quick drop to 30 and people were like freaking out Mm. because we're addicted to an adrenalized way of life and so when you when you get that oh i've got to slow down and be with myself and be with my mate Mm. i would i tell people that throughout the pandemic i was never alone there was no night that i was ever alone We watched all of Sex in the City, all 95 episodes. (laughs) And it was totally fun because, you know, thank you for doing that with me. (laughs) But um, finding little ways to connect and fun. I had one friend that we connected every week on FaceTime. We drank wine, kombucha, tea. We talked, we laughed, we cried. Social connection is... Is um is still fragile, but it's available. That's why the wedding was so beautiful because mm. we were there in beautiful community. Mm-hmm. Um, social connection, once again, connection is the healing bomb for trauma. It's not more money. 
It's not a bigger house. It's not a widescreen TV. That part. It's human connection. Mm-hmm. So human connections that were not well resourced did fall apart. Okay, what is the lesson? And now what is the opportunity from this place? So those are the two big questions I ask in my book. And what, the other big question, what can you be thankful for? All right, that's, that actually brings me to a good point, right? So you, you both mentioned that... Um, a lot of people may not have been in the best mental state um, going into the pandemic. Um, one of the reasons why I started, myself and my co-host started getting my cheese back on the cracker was we had a conversation about how did you find a therapist? Were you able to find a black therapist? Um, since I have both of you on um, that work in the mental wellness state um, um, industry, like if you can give us some tips on one, um, when looking for a therapist, right, where should one start? Like, whether it be from within or from without, what should be the first thing that they should think about? Um, and then two, um, are there resources in finding black providers? Because I think the hardest thing that we came across was being able to provide, being able to find providers that were there to support us. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, uh, several. Uh, things I would say uh, as a member of um, ABSI, which is the Black Psychologists Association, Association of Black Psychologists, Association of Black Psychologists um, mm-hmm. they have chapters, you know, all over all over the states and and, and Africa, and I understand they have and the UK, and the UK international. So, so I would probably start there. Also, they have the. Um, Black uh, Social Worker Association, which tends to be a good way of finding folks. Um, I think most people find us by media. Uh, they go to like Psychology Today, and then you can specifically look for uh, African American therapists. So that's the key. Mm. Um, then there are other sites that if you go down um, uh, a page or a pull down, you can search specific, specifically for, for African American therapists. So I think that helps. Um, also, if you have insurance, you know, you can request uh, outside referral to um, uh, African American therapists or just, just black, or black or brown therapists, you know. So you don't have to, and, and that's unfortunate because. These entities, whether they're Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Kaiser, uh, which is the main uh, organization out here, what they tend to have on staff, unfortunately, is 90% white practitioners. Mm -hmm. And when you call, that's what you get. But what people got to understand is that you can request uh, what's called uh, outside referral, out-of-network referral, to somebody who would be more appropriate for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can't deny it. Right. Um, they, they will try to dance around it, but yes, you can request an out-of-network referral to somebody who you feel more comfortable with. And if you, and if you have trauma, uh, um, uh, especially um, from those who are in charge, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense for you to want to go talk to a white therapist. It's, it's, it's the trust issue now. It's like, you know, I mean, 
I've been in this place where I have to be conscious of what I say, you know, um, how I present myself. And you know, black folks, they don't want to do that. They, they want to go to a place where they're, you know, when you step into the office, you hear, you know, uh, I don't know, Miles Davis in the background or John Coltrane or reggae music that's playing. And when you step inside their, their waiting room, you see black art. You know, you 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 can smell candles that represent you know your own home. You know, you can you can you can have tea or coffee that fits you. And, well, that's and when your you, office, honey. You know, when you, got it. Got it. The free promotion, right, 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 right. <laughs> and when you and when you you know, I mean, that makes a difference. Well, I, I I'm going to add a little something to that. Also, I think that. You asked, does it start outside or within? Mm -hmm. And it starts within. Mm -hmm. It starts with somebody just getting quiet and determining, do I need help? Mm -hmm. Am I willing to admit that I need some help, that I need support? Let's just put it, use that word, that I need support. I heard a beautiful Yoruba priestess tell me, she said, the, um, mm -hmm. the ladder leans against the house. It stands on the ground, but it leans against the house. You need support. So first determine, do I need support? Then is the kind of support I need, do I need a psychotherapist or do or would a coach help me? Because a lot of times the healing that takes place is just through the connection of deep listening and someone guiding you through a process and being your champion. You don't, you don't necessarily need a diagnosis or so, so, and also if you start with someone and it doesn't work out, you can leave. <laughs> right. You don't right. have to stay. Right. You can be open and say, you know, I tried this person and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I want to say is not every white therapist is inadequate for us. Mm -hmm. I had a friend just tell me the other day that she is with a white therapist and he is wonderful for her and her family. Mm -hmm. So I think that let we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. Right. Go where your preference is mm -hmm. and be open to move around. And not every black therapist is right for you either. Right. Right. So it's just being open to know that um help is available. Mm -hmm. Be um sometimes you need someone to help you get the help. Mm -hmm. Enlist a friend family member um and help is can be found so you you mentioned coach versus psychotherapy mm -hmm. or counseling what's really the difference right and then there there clearly is like education right but how does one know whether they go to a coach or a psychotherapist because you know you have these life coaches that are out here that's supposed to help you out and then you have therapists and counselors you know for for somebody that doesn't know the difference between the two and what to expect what's in it, just to keep it short what's the fundamental difference um in knowing whether or not i need a coach or a therapist well i think that sometimes it's very hard to tell to be honest I think that you did hit on something that's the education because they're going in different directions. Right. And you can add on the, the therapist is really looking at um, real mental health 
there's 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 labels mm-hmm. or, or diagnoses for the various things that a person might be going through and there's a particular process coaching i would not go to a coach that is not certified by because coaching has education too but it's in a different direction it's really deeply about life fulfillment and satisfaction and coaches also are attuned Mm -hmm. to listen to their clients so they could say you know i think what's going on here is beyond this beyond what i have for you Mm -hmm. i think you need to move on to a psychotherapist that's what i do in my coaching i listen deeply and actually what's so funny about my coaching is I coach psychotherapists (laughs) because they're not looking for therapy. Mm -hmm. They are looking for a champion to listen deeply to them and to support them in life pivots and being courageous in places where they perhaps are not courageous. So go figure. I think you just, um, I hate to say it's a little bit of trial and error, Mm -hmm. But it is. Now, when it comes to deep trauma, that is definitely in the area of psychotherapy, I think. I, I, I think what I would add and where I would, I would differ at, and so, so I think um, uh, um, therapists, um, I, I'm going to say uh, black therapists who are conscious, you know, they're not looking to um, pathologize or mm. medicalize you. You know, I mean, that's that's old. You know, that's a foregone conclusion. That that's not what we do as black therapists. You know, a lot of us are more apt to use, you know, uh, uh, black psychology, which involves spirit connection. And you somatics, know? too. Uh, I mean, it's not so uncommon for those of us who are practicing black psychology that if you feel like, you know, uh, asking your ancestors to come into the room to help us, you know, that's that's allowable for a lot of us. Where in Western, uh, they look at you like, what? what is, he's talking to a spirit, you know, let's write in the prescription. No, that's, that's not what we do, you know. We're more sensitive to our community. So it's not about um, pathologizing or medicalizing. I mean, when, when we have to do that, it's for insurance purpose, right? So the diagnosis, it, 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 it doesn't serve us in session. You know, the best compliment I got was from this brother who was just released from prison and his PO forced him to come see me. And after two or three sessions, he, he said to me, I don't know why I was so afraid to come and talk to you. Man, talking to you is like talking to my uncle. Well, the only thing he's missing is we're not drinking together. <laughs> that was the best compliment I ever got because it took away this therapeutic um, connection. But the process was was therapeutic in, ter- in terms. It was cathartic. You know, he was able to, you know, he allowed, I, I want to say he allowed me to help him, mm-hmm. you know, because that's very important. So I see a, a, a little differently. Um, I also see when people come to us for deep depression, anxiety, panic attacks, we do have the skills to show how to step out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we do that. So, but partly, it's it's yeah, it's uh, uh, from an Afrocentric perspective. Sometimes, often, uh, uh, augmented by Western psychology. But I, I just want I just want the, your listeners to be clear with that. I think that's a good point and. To his point, then, if you're looking for a practitioner, 
that has a more Afrocentric approach to wellness, mm -hmm. that would be a question to ask. What is your approach? Because I've been to a black therapist that that is not what she does. Mm -hmm. She sticks with the Western protocol. Mm -hmm. So you need to make yes. that distinction. Yes. Were, are they a part of the Association of Black Psychologists? Mm -hmm. Are they more somatic in the body in their approach? So, so these are some good questions to ask. What's your approach to healing? Mm. And for me, travel is therapy, right? Mm. So um, it's one form of therapy mm -hmm. for me because um, I, I, there are other things that I supplement for my therapy sessions. In between sessions, I go to the range. If I can get a trip in the mix, I go on a trip. It's For me, it's really all about, because of all of my responsibilities, I have to find a way to reset. Um, and there's some things you can say to a therapist because you're paying for it. <laughs> you can't get away with anybody else. Right, right. Um, and so um, I bring up the fact that travel is therapy for me is um, what are some things that, that, what is one big tip that you would give a person looking to travel today? Because you guys gave a lot of uh, tips. I just wanted to end off with that one and then we can do, you know, end off. I think I I think if you can think of traveling as uh, being part of your wellness plan, it's cathartic. It opens you up. It 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 exposes you, and it challenges you. You know, to something that, that's new, that's adventurous, that's exciting. And it leaves you so much joy. So, you know, what I would say to the person who's not traveled, you know, you owe it to yourself to experience it. You know, even if it's a, because we're on the West Coast, even if it's a short trip to Mexico I mean, to, or the, to the Caribbean, just adapting, adjusting, connecting with other folks outside the U.S. is cathartic. It's new. So, so that would be my tip, you know, that it's, 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 so it's, make it's travel a part of your wellness plan. Definitely make travel as part of your wellness plan. Well, my tip is a little more practical. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I think learn how to pack, mm. go on YouTube, do all the things about how to pack, because the whole notion of taking yourself out of your home where all your stuff is in, you know, in your bathroom and the kitchen and your, your supplements or whatever, learn how to pack so that you have ease. Learn how to pack so you have ease. <laughs> so that you have some ease and flow because the packing um, and the transporting yourself and your things over a period of time can be um, stressful. And so if you know how, take the time to just Get some tips on the best luggage, the best way to pack, the things that you absolutely need and do not want to do without. How do I do this so that it is not um, stressful? I would say do do everything you can in that arena to take some of the stress off. Oh. I overpack. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, um, I really want to thank you both for really doing this. This has been... Um, an amazing experience, to say the least. Um, 
Where where can people find more about you, Janae? Where can people find more about you, Claudius? I'm at Janae Johnson. I'm at Janae Johnson, www.janaejohnson.com. And you can learn about my work and also find me for speaking engagements, keynotes, workshops, customized work around well-being, uh, mindfulness, racial healing, and coaching. Claudius? Yes, uh, you can find I mean, because I've been doing this for some time, I, if you Google my name, Claudius Johnson, it's going to pop up. But more importantly, it's uh, Sankofa, um, SankofaTherapy.com, um, S-A-N-K-O-F-A, Therapy.com. We're located here in Oakland, California, and there's about 30 of us and still growing. Um, so reach out to us, email, call, you know, if you want more information, I'm happy to, to help you with that. Claudia said, Google me. <laughs> <laughs> with that said, I thank you very much for joining us. And once again, don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, hit that notification button so you guys know when new episodes drop. As always, travel more, stay safe. Peace.